you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. Week to week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure that is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. Revelation chapter 3 and verse number 7. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These things saith he that is holy, he that is true, and he that hath the key of David, he that openeth and no man shutteth, and shutteth and no man openeth. I know thy works. Look at your neighbor and tell him God noticed your works. And behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it. For thou hast a little strength, and hast kept my word, and hast not denied my name. I, this text is a familiar text to me and to you, and I've spoken from this text on various occasions, and tonight I will attempt to extrapolate from our text an encouraging word to you because I want you to understand clearly from Scripture and from this text that every sacrifice, every offering, every labor, every Bible study, every work day, every wire you pulled, Brother Brandon, every stroke of a paintbrush, Brother Danny, every, every nail that was driven, every hole that was dug, every Sunday school lesson that's been taught, every meal that has been cooked, no matter what it is that you do, none of it escapes the attention of God. None of it. God sees the details. God notices the details, and he pays very close attention to those details. Of every, every time you think nobody knows, I'm praying an hour a day before I get up and go to work in the morning, and nobody knows. God didn't miss that. I'm fasting, doing more than I need to do or have to do. God noticed. Look at your neighbor and tell them God noticed. Lord, help me tonight to preach what you put on my heart. Let your word do what only your word does, and that is speak to the hearts of men and women. 
Let the encouraging word of the Lord come forth and let the inspiring word of the Lord and let salvation be released in this house to one that may be searching and hungry. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. And whether the Lord noticed or not, my prayer had to include the word hungry. The sense of humor still remains. For those of you that are just waking up, we, we may be in a season of prayer and fasting. That's what that joke was about. Our text is written to the angel of the church in Philadelphia. John says to the angel in the church of the church in Philadelphia the, or to the pastor, to the apostle of the church in Philadelphia. John said, I write unto you. Now, remember with me for a moment, if I could capture your attention, you're going to have to think with me a little bit on the foundation and groundwork of this because it's more than just a hallelujah. There's a little thought process that I want to bring to you, and you're going to have to follow this text just a little bit. Now, remember, John is writing to the pastor of the church in Philadelphia or the scripture uses, the King James Version uses the term to the angel of the church in Philadelphia. Now remember with me for a moment that the Holy Scripture came not by the, by the will of man, but holy men wrote as they were moved on by the Holy Ghost. Now remember with me that all scripture is given by inspiration of God. So this is not the Apostle Paul writing his opinion or his wisdom or John writing his opinion or his wisdom. When you read the scripture, we understand that this is not a man writing his words, but it is a man that is writing what thus saith the word of the Lord. Holy men wrote as they were moved on by the Holy Ghost. So somebody is very wrong in their opinion when they say, well, it doesn't matter what this person says because there were many writers of the early scripture, but there was but one author. And so John is writing and he said to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, I write. Not because John has something to say, but because God has something to say to the church because God is wanting to speak to the church in Philadelphia and he placed his word in the heart of a man and a holy man wrote as he was moved on by the inspiration of the Holy Ghost and so to the angel of the church in Philadelphia he said I write because I noticed something that is noteworthy about the church in Philadelphia. He, because of what the Lord noticed, not what John noticed, but because of what, what God noticed about the church in Philadelphia. He, it caused God to speak a word directly to the church in Philadelphia. And the Lord says that because of what I noticed, it is causing me to step in and to do for the church in Philadelphia what they could never have been able to do 
for themselves. Anybody with me tonight? So the God of heaven noticed the church of Philadelphia and he speaks to the writer John and he says, write John to the church in Philadelphia, not even to the church but to the pastor, to the angel of the church in Philadelphia. And I want you to write these words that I am saying unto them and I want them to understand in what I am going to tell you to write. I want them to understand that in the very minuscule detail of their sacrifice and their labor and their work in serving the Lord that I noticed, that I paid attention to it. Can I rise to this pulpit tonight to look at this congregation and tell you that even the very smallest of sacrifices and things that you do that seemingly go unnoticed by man and never get the accolades and never get you recognized from the pulpit or the platform and never get you on any sort of, 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 of national level of what you have done. But I want you to understand that in everything that you do, God is noticing and taking account and writing it down and paying attention. Corey, I have a little ring on the platform. God was responding to the faithfulness of the church during these trying times. And he says, although I have noticed that you have a little strength left in you and although you are tired and you are weary from the fight and although you are weak and uh, although you have, you have struggled through, he, he says, I, I, I paid attention. And he says, in the middle of your weariness and your tiredness and your fight, you still remain true and you held fast. When the tide was pulling against you, you chose to place your feet on the rock of your salvation and hold on. And in the middle of your storm, you, you may have dealt with discouragement, but you still got up and came to church. You may have gone through some dark days and trials, but you still pressed on. God said, in the middle of all the turmoil and in the middle of all of your weakness, God said, you remain true and you kept my word. And when everyone else was throwing in the towel for cheap religion, you never once even considered denying my name. God says, because I noticed the small things in the middle of your weak times, I have set before you an open door and I am doing for you what you would never be able to have done for yourself. Somebody ought to receive that word to CLC tonight by putting your hands together and giving God praise. It may not sound profound. It may not sound miraculous in nature. But when God sees their condition of weakness and weighs their weakness in the balances of their faithfulness through trial, can I make it any more plain to you? When he sees them remaining faithful through their weakness and their trial, God said, I will do for my people what they would never be able to do for themselves. In the book of Acts, the church 
could evangelize. The church could baptize. The church could lay hands on the sick and they would recover. The church would do great exploits. But now God is saying that there will be some doors that I intend to open for my church that they would have never been able to open under their own power. The text itself points out because I see you are weak. Because I see you are tired. Because I see you only have a little strength. I will open some things for you that you would never be able to open open for yourself. It will take somebody may say, well, I got some things in my life that it would take an act of God to do. I came tonight to tell you just keep on being faithful. Just keep on surviving the storm. Just keep on struggling through when nobody else is struggling. You you feel like you're struggling by yourself. Just keep on struggling because God is taking note of everything that you have done, everything that you do, and he says behold look up lift up your eyes I will set before you an open door it's a door that you're too weak to open for yourselves but I open it because in the midst of your weakness I notice that you have kept my word and you refused to deny my name now in this text it opens describing the key of the house of David And he explains that the key would be laid upon the shoulders of him who had all power and authority. Now, we know that this is referencing Jesus. For the key of the house of David would be laid upon his shoulders. This text was written as a comparison to the physical key of David's palace which was placed in the hand of Eliakim who was the mayor of David's palace. The strangeness of this passage is that the key was not placed in his hand, but the key in our text says that it was laid upon his shoulders. Now isn't that amazing language that is being used here? This is not because the key was so large, for no key is so large that it must be laid upon one's shoulder. But the key of the house of David mentioned in our text is, of course, typology referring to the cross of Calvary. Eliakim was the mayor of David's palace. He had authority over all of David's household. He had access to every room in the palace. He, he, but the key was more than just a means of access. But the key was a symbol of authority of who he was. When he walked in with his janitor-sized ring of keys, everybody knew who Eliakim was because Eliakim had access. He, he couldn't just get in the door, but Eliakim could get all the way into the king's chamber. There was nothing in the king's palace palace that was off limits to him who held the key. There was nothing that he could not close and could not open. There was nothing that he could not lock and he could not unlock. The key of the house of David, the text declares, will be laid 
upon his shoulders. Everybody said his shoulders. Can I preach for a few moments that Jesus Christ, who was from the lineage or the house of David, anybody with me tonight? Jesus, who was from the lineage of the house of David, carried the key for the, the, the everything that you need upon his shoulder. Anybody with me tonight? And that same Jesus that carried the key from the house of David, he carries the key. Now the key, of course, is the cross. The key to your healing is the cross. The key to your salvation is the cross. The key to your breakthrough is the cross. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. There is nothing that happens without the cross. Our entire salvation, everything about our church, everything about what we do, everything about this this book that I'm preaching from tonight this book is about the cross this book is about the shed blood this book is about what happened and that key it is the key the cross is the key and the key of the house of David was laid upon the shoulders of Jesus who was from the lineage of the house of David can I preach for a few moments that Jesus Christ carried the key to everything you need upon his shoulder and that same Jesus who took everything you need and dealt with it and paid the price on the cross of Calvary and was buried three days later got up out of that grave and walked victorious carrying the keys of death hell and the grave and then he gives Peter the keys to the kingdom and he tells him anything that you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven I don't know if I'm making it plain enough for you tonight but I come tonight to tell you that every person in this house that has been that has had the shed blood of Jesus applied to your life has authority and power that you didn't pay for and you didn't you may be weak you may be weary you may not have any authority on your own but the authority of the name of Jesus that you possess by the shed blood of Calvary gives you gives you authority over the adversary gives you authority over the enemy you shall lay hands on the sick and they you shall speak with new tongues Jesus has all authority, all power, and all dominion. There's no power in me. There's no power in my word. No power in my hand. Except the power that comes through the authority of the shed blood of Jesus and the name. Jesus can unlock doors that no man could unlock. Close doors that no man could close. Whatever door may have been shut in your face, God noticed. He noticed your attitude. Maybe God willed that door to be closed in your face because he's trying to fix some things in your life. I'll do it my way. I'm going to do it my way. Go ahead and try that. It ain't going to turn out very good. Because God knows the thought and the, am I in the book tonight? The thought and the intent of the heart. 
That thought that just ran through your mind, God already knew it. He took note of it. I can't read your mind. I'm not a fortune teller. I'm not, I don't even call myself a prophet. I, I'm, I'm just a preacher of the gospel. I, 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 I'm, just, I'm just a man of, 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 of like precious faith that God has anointed to preach the word of God. I, I, you may slip things by me. You may sneak around and slip it by your parents. and your, You may slip it by. You, you may get it past your pastor and nobody. Your, 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 your ministry leader may not even recognize it. Your, your youth pastor and wife, they, they, they may just slide right by them. But God took notice. He didn't just take notice of the act. He took notice... Of the thought and the intent. Because I believe I read somewhere in the word that man looks on the outward appearance. Don't I look pretty? Somebody came up tonight and said, man, I like that new sport coat. I said, thank you. I'm pretty, aren't I? Give me a break. But God looks at the heart of the matter. Both the good and the evil. Now, because of Jesus Christ, we are brought nigh. We who sometimes were afar off, strangers from the covenant of promise. We were in this world without God. Strangers from the covenant of promise. Had no hope the Bible says. But now in Christ Jesus, we are, I wish I had a preaching church tonight. You need to wake up your neighbor and tell him, quote along with pastor tonight. But now in Christ Jesus, we are made now. I left my keys tonight. I need my keys. By the blood. You know what brings you close? The blood. You know who, you know we who are a long ways away from God because of bad thoughts, bad intentions, bad actions, sin in our life, but we are made nigh. In other words, we're given a key. We're given access to be able to unlock doors and walk into places we would never have been able to walk before. And it's not because you're pretty. It's not because of who your last name is. It's not because of your gifts and your talents, but you're made nigh by the blood of Jesus. We were one time strangers from the covenant promise afar off without God in this world but now are made nigh by the blood of Jesus I come to preach tonight about a savior that has paid attention and he has drawn you close to him doesn't matter what the devil's been telling you you can get deliverance doesn't matter what the devil's been telling you your life can be blessed and can flourish. You don't have to be washed up and finished. Your mistake doesn't have to define you. It's not impossible. That's things the enemy wants you to think. People will tell you it's impossible. When I first came to Frankfurt to pastor, very few of you even knew this. It's taken me 17 years to get strong enough and bold enough and have the courage to be able to stand in here and say some things that I should have said a long time ago. When I first came to Frankfurt 17 years ago to pastor, 
I had a man call me on the phone and tell me, what are you thinking? Frankfurt, he said, is a burnover field. The revival that came to Frankfurt was many years ago. It's a burnover field. Frankfurt is a small town. It's too small of a town to have revival. It's too small of a setting to have to reap a great harvest. You're dealing with the law of the lid. You can only go so far. And your environment and your surroundings are going to hinder everything that you're trying to do. Went on to tell me the door of revival is closed in the city of Frankfurt. He said it is an impossible location. 17 years later, we're still standing. In the last 17 years, we have baptized over 400 people in Jesus' name. That many more have received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. We've launched two daughter works. Both have purchased buildings. Both are averaging about 50 in attendance. We've seen the dead raised, deaf ears open, and we're sending evangelists and missionaries and worship leaders all over the world. I don't call that a place that can't have revival. Don't let somebody else define the potential that God has when you have a word from the Lord stand on that word look the devil in the face and say you weren't watching when I was praying in the midnight hour you weren't watching when I was sacrificing but God noticed I'm not bragging on me tonight don't take this message as a brag on pastor night I'm not bragging on me I'm bragging on God when it seems impossible, God notices your faithfulness in time of weakness. I wish I could tell you the last 17 years has been a honeymoon. But it hasn't been. I have felt the pains of hurt. I have walked through the dark days of trial. I have questioned my calling. I've questioned the will of God. I've questioned. I've wondered. I've wept. My family has prayed with me. One time when I was about to quit and I told my wife, I'm done. I'm going to go be a plumber. I know nothing about plumbing. I said, I'm going to go be a plumber. She looked at me and she said, I didn't marry a quitter. Thank God for my wife. Well, pastor, how do we get to where we are? Because God noticed some things that man never even noticed. When I walk into this building on a Monday night and hear a handful of ladies gathered in a back room 
praying and asking God for revival. I'll tell you why we have revival. It isn't because a good orator stands in the pulpit and preaches on Sunday. It's not even because we have a great choir and wonderful music program. I'm going to tell you why. It's because there's some faithful people that have places in their home that pray. I walked in this building a little while back. I came in and I saw a shadow right here in the front of this room and I came and I looked on the floor right here in front of this pulpit and I saw Sister Paula Myers right here and there she had cried till there were drips on the floor I turned the lights up after she walked out and saw the, the drips from tears that she had shed kneeling and praying right in front of this pulpit praying God watches, God notices God sees you think nobody's watching your sacrifice you think nobody sees your labor you think nobody knows whether you're fasting or not fasting oh he does yes he does yes he does you keep on doing what's right you keep on being faithful to God you keep on sacrificing because God is noticing the details and never get upset don't get offended because you see somebody blessed because you don't know the sacrifices that they're making because they may not be sacrificing in public it may not be so you can see they may not come to the front every service and say hey look what I'm doing it may be in the back corner somewhere it may be hidden in the prayer closet of their home but when you see lives being blessed when you see people's lives being blessed you can know one thing God has noticed what they did when they went through the fire what they did when they went through the flood God noticed how they handled the tragedy God noticed how they handled the frustrating days and the disappointing days and the days that we weren't in the middle of prayer and fasting revival and nobody else was praying but they kept praying and nobody else was being faithful but they stayed faithful God noticed Can I have a little liberty tonight? Maybe somebody came tonight. I want to warn you, particularly our young ministers. I want to warn you about trying to open doors for yourself. Can I have my liberty tonight? There's a real issue. When we start trying to open doors for ourselves, we'll end up in a room that we never needed to be in. But when God opens a door, it's a door that no man can open and that no man can close. And even on the days that you feel alone, you just know God sent me here. This is where God put me. I never questioned. I didn't open this door for myself. I didn't do it on my own. I let God do it in God's time. Well, this doesn't make you shout tonight, but it's telling you the truth. Maybe somebody came tonight and you've been knocking at the door for years wondering, when's, when's this door going to open? I'm going to tell you, there's going to be a moment when God says, I saw your weakness. I saw your tiredness. 
I saw everything that you've been through. And in the middle of your tiredness and weakness, when you reach a point that you say, I can't even open a door for myself, God's going to say, now, that's when you just said you have to depend on me. Because when you don't know what to do, what you don't know is some of the messages that some of you may call the greatest messages are not messages that I had th three or four weeks to prepare for and to create a great beginning and a great ending and keep them real close together. It's messages that sometimes it's just the last minute I've been stressed and frustrated and been at the hospital all week and dealing in the office with problems and issues and administrative things and trying to make things happen and trying to do whatever. And all of a sudden, the word of the Lord says, just go tell them this. Just go say this and you come and my goodness pastor that was an amazing message. I just want to take and reflect it to the Lord because God watched what was happening in the secret throughout the week. He saw what was happening in the wee hours of the morning. He saw, he knew what you needed. The word that I was speaking felt like it was for you because it was for you. God had a word for you and you're going to get it in some places in your life. You're going to say I can't I'm too weak to even open the door and God's going to swing that door open on its rusty hinges and you can stop knocking. You've just got to start stepping through the door that God has already opened. I've got to hurry. There are some things in the spirit that we have a grip on. We have authority over. And we walk in victory without reservation. But there are some things that God has given us. That there is some territory that God has set before us and given us authority over. But we're satisfied with part-time residency and shared authority. In other words... God has given us access to some things, but we're not walking through the door. I want to be a mighty man or woman of God, but we're struggling with submission. I want to do great exploits, but you struggle praying. I want to see a powerful demonstration of the Holy Ghost, but you secretively don't fast. There are some things that God has given us that we like the idea but we refuse to pay the price. In other words, God has granted us access by opening a door that we could never open. But we don't walk through the door because we're afraid of the battle on the other side of the door. I could have dropped the mic right there. Because on the other side of the open door, there may be some giants that we have to fight in order to dispossess the land that God has given us. When the children of Israel came to the promised land, the land was promised to them and was given to them. They went before Jericho. They marched around seven times. The wall came down and it all happened with a shout. But the next time that it was time for them to move forward, the Lord said, you're going to have to be willing to fight. It's your promise. It's your land. But you've got to go in and dispossess the land. Come on, CLC. I'm preaching where we are. You want to break through during this awakening season? The Lord's saying, I've already 
already promised it to you. It's already there for you. But you're going to have to get some things out of your life. Some of you need to repent of some of the sin issues in your life. Some of you need to stop. Come on, I... I understand it's hard to say sick him to a dog when he's got you by the seat of the britches. But I come tonight to tell you that God sent me here to tell you I've set a door open in front of you. And when you walk through it, there may be a fight on the other side of the door. But I've already promised that the victory belongs to you. promise worth receiving will come with a fight everywhere I go people are always talking about the revival in your church and that new building and all the great successes and it appears to the people on the outside that everything in Frankfurt is just beautiful and there have been no struggles everything's just wonderful we wake up every day Everything's good. Look at your neighbor and tell him, aren't you glad you're here? That's the world's opinion. Everything's grand. I just came back from Alexandria. We were at Because of the Times. I ran into people I haven't seen for many years. They came up, man, man, I see that new building on social media. Man, I watch some of the services y'all are having. I've heard the reports and all the good things that God's doing and, and, and all the great things. Man, it's wonderful. I love seeing. It's all great. They have no idea. I hear of other people winning high society and dealing with, you know, seems like they have no struggles. I finally grabbed a brother the other day by his lapel and pulled him up real close to me. And I said, let me tell you how we got to where we are. About 12, 13 years ago, we decided to start praying and fasting. We started a prayer meeting in the first year. The most we ever had show up to one prayer meeting was 13. But we still had prayer meeting. And we came to the next year, and we had about 15 or so that decided to fast the first year. We came to the second year, and we got a larger group. There was about 50 decided to get on board, and we were having 20 and 30 show up to prayer meeting. And we got to year number three, and, and there was a few more. And before long, I looked out, and we can't, we can't host prayer meetings in houses because we're having 100 or 150 people show up to prayer meeting. And, and, and we, we've got more people fasting. We've got almost 100% participation at some level of fasting. I said it didn't come easy. Don't we, how, how did you have revival, Brother Jordan? Just keep on praying when nobody else wants to pray. Keep on fasting when nobody else wants to fast. Keep on being faithful when nobody else wants to be faithful. Keep preaching the truth when everybody else is dumbing it down. Stand on the word. Be faithful because God notices the faithfulness. If you're going to reap the harvest, you better be prepared to deal with the consequences. Because not everybody rejoices in your success. And not everybody believes your reports. And not everybody's going to pray for you. Some's going to pray against you. 
And there comes a time when you have to prove what you're made of. And just because you're, you have failed in the past doesn't mean that it's never going to come to pass. And just because that you have dealt with closed doors doesn't mean that the door is always going to be closed. And just because you're tired and you have a little strength doesn't mean that you have to be afraid of the giants and, and that prevent you from walking through the door that God opens for you and living in the promised land that God has promised you. But God told the angel of the church, I noticed that you have a little strength, but I also noticed your faithfulness. And the Lord spoke to me and said, go tell them, I've noticed, I know the sacrifices they're making during this prayer and fast season and not one of them has fasted and prayed that I didn't take note of. I know somebody came here tonight thinking, I just don't think that I have what it takes to make me on my make it on my own. But God sent this preacher to this pulpit tonight to tell you, I know you will never be able to make it on your own because you are weak and you have been going through it and you don't have the strength to do it on your own. But because of your faithfulness, the Lord said, I'm going to open some doors to you for you that you never thought was open. I'm your, you're going to walk into your business and somebody's going to, some, some door's going to open that you weren't expecting. You're going to walk into your place of employment and somebody's going to come up to you and say, I need what you have. God's going to bring it from the most unlikely source. Stand with me tonight. To the weary, God has seen everything you've gone through. But I believe that God wants to restore the years that the canker worm and the palmer worm has taken from you. There are days that you may feel too weak to open that next door. But the Lord is saying, I've set before you an open door. It's a door that no man can open and no man can close but God himself. And he did it because he recognized he noticed. He paid attention. The things of God has never been about your strength. But it's been about your capacity to receive from the Lord. Can I have your attention here just for a moment? Thank you. The Lord is wanting to speak to somebody tonight. God is wanting somebody to receive this word tonight. He's not looking for you to be able to come and pray some eloquent prayer. For you to come and speak some prophetic word. God is looking for somebody that has capacity to just receive what he is wanting to give to you. Right where you are, would you open your heart to the Lord right now? Would you just lift your hands right where you are? Begin to talk to the Lord right now.
hear the voice of the Lord saying, just step through what I'm opening for you. Where you're going is greater than anything you've ever experienced before. I've got greater things waiting on you because I've watched your faithfulness through trial. I've watched your submission when you didn't even understand. I've watched your willingness to be faithful. You'll triumph through tragedy because I am going to strengthen you. He's going to lift up the weary hands. He's going to strengthen the weary heart. He noticed every step that you took. Does anybody have the courage to step through tonight? I want to close with this thought. We preach a lot about faith and living in the realm of faith. We all have faith. How many of you have faith tonight? You recognize you have faith? Thank all 13 of you have faith. No, you all have faith. And we can walk in the realm and arena of faith. And that's good. That's wonderful. But in order to truly go to the place that God is wanting us to go to, we have to move to the next dimension because there is a dimension beyond the dimension of faith. Here's what I feel. In years past, as we approach this season of the church, faith gets high. And we start walking in a dimension of faith that we don't walk in any other time. Faith gets high. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Faith gets high. But there is a dimension above faith that I hear the voice of God calling CLC to. And it is the dimension of trust. Because trust is a greater dimension than faith. Because faith says God can. Faith says, if it be you, bid me to come unto you. But trust says, nevertheless at thy word. And trust steps out and begins to walk in a new path that we've never walked before. I feel God is opening a door for our church for the future. And I feel that God wants us to move into a new plateau, a new arena, if you please. It's an arena. It is a, it is a dimension above faith. It is a dimension of trust. And if you listen closely to this message tonight and let God speak to your heart, I feel God compelling some in the room to begin to walk in that realm of trust. I'm going to trust you. No matter what comes my way, I keep trusting you. And I want you to know everything's going to be all right when you walk in that arena of, of trust because God notices all of those details and all of those little things in your life. God's noticing. Anybody want to join this one that walked forward tonight? This altar call's not for me, it's for you. Anybody want to make a commitment tonight to move to a new level, a new dimension beyond faith, to walk in the dimension of trust? I'm walking in this new dimension of trust.
I challenge the faithfulness of God and he will prove his word. He'll prove himself to you. Pouring out my life, graceful.